Welcome to the first in the series of podcasts from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review and appraise a journal article from PRS and summarize it for you in this short podcast. The full paper can be obtained from the PRS Journal website. Hi, and welcome to the April 2016 Plastic Surgery Journal Club podcast. My name is Dr. Damien Marucci. I've got Dr. Rima Hattie, who's a newly minted fellow. And uh, tonight we did four papers. The first paper which we did comes from the current PRS, which is April 2016. And it is secondary neck lift and the importance of midline platysmoplasty, a review of 101 cases. So Rima, in a nutshell, what was this paper about? Um, the basic issue was, can surgical technique of midline platysmoplasty affect the longevity of re- neck rejuvenation? Um, the background is that um, a, hun- a data review was conducted of the senior surgeon and 101 patients were identified that underwent secondary neck lift. 70% of those were undertaken by the same um, senior author. The average and this age... Was a, uh, this was like a real huge number of cases. That's uh, right. So 1,089 uh, uh, primary or, or um, facelift and neck lift on the database. Uh, right. And of those 101, it had a secondary neck lift. That's right. Sorry, yeah. um, the average age of the patients was 57.4, 95% were female, and the average time to secondary surgery was 10.3 years. Um, all patients had concurrent procedures. Um, this paper talks about um, the evolution of the surgical technique um, along with time, um, because the uh, patients identified ranged between 1985 to 2013. So how did um, the senior author's technique vary through the years? Uh, initially there was um, liposuction and that's uh, changed to direct excision of fat as it's thought that this results in more predictable fat removal. There's also now routine midline placation of platysma and release of the t- platysma medially and quarterly to allow advancement of the platysma laterally. Um, also there's undermining of the platysma two centimeters laterally and the fixation of that to the mastoid process. So all those things that are currently done was outlined in a recent paper, the five-step platysmoplasty where uh, they talk about doing an open anterior platysmoplasty, undermining the platysma limited uh, in a limited fashion, uh, a back cut at the uh, caudal end of the platysma uh, centrally and then laterally creating a platysmal window which is then anchored onto the uh, mastoid uh, fascia. Um, the patient's uh, photographs were reviewed um, and the most aesthetic, most aesthetic deformities um, that were most commonly found were included. These include recurrent platysmal bands, which were found in 87% of patients, persistent or recurrent jowling in 48% of patients, fat malposition or irregularity in 10% of patients, and vertical band deformity in 8% of patients. And this paper goes through each one of these and lists um, the possible anatomical causes for these um, aesthetic deformities, um, which we thought were very interesting. Um, statistically, of the 56 patients that were reoperated on in the same unit, 43% that didn't have a midline plication primarily presented with platysmal bands secondarily. Inc- oh, so, yeah, so that gave a, a percentage of 76% of those who, um, who had not had... Oh, 76% of the uh, patients who required revision had not initially undergone an anterior midline platysmoplasty. Yeah. And interestingly, only one of... Only one of the 13 that did have midline plication represented with bands. Um, so the conclusion was that um, platysmal bands may be less likely to reoccur um, if the patient did have a prophylactic midline platysmoplasty. 
um, I think this patient, this um, article is very interesting because it does identify a substantial number of patients. There's a good description of the technique and it does look at patient outcomes with time um, and also identifies how that technique has changed. Um, the problems were that um, maybe that there was an objective, objective measure of the deformity or aging process, as we know that that aging process does contribute to obviously recurrence. Although I guess an objective measure is a bit hard. I mean, they're going on um, on photographs which are historical, although uh, the photographs were standardised and uh, sounds like he's got a, prof a professional photographer uh, doing the photos. Uh, the other thing is there was no mention whether the assessors were blinded either to the surgical procedure or whether it was a revision or, uh, and, and also blinded as to uh, who the surgeon was. Um, and that can often influence uh, their uh, reported assessments of uh, uh, of the procedure and um, and how they assess the results. Um, I, I was wondering whether they were being a bit hard on themselves. Um, the recent uh, paper by Barry Jones, which was published looking at the longevity of the facelift, suggested that it lasts at least five years. Um, these patients here had an average time to 10 years uh, to secondary surgery. And you sort of think, well, if a facelift lasts 10 years, is it is it pretty good? Or was it the case where these patients had persisting bands even after their initial surgery and in fact they've just sort of put up with it for 10 years and uh, you'd need to have a look at an immediate post-op uh, results to, to get the answer to that question. Uh, were there any other things that people brought up in the discussion tonight? Um, I want to talk about what the platysmal bands were made out of. Is it actually muscle? Is it folds in the skin laxity? Is it um, lack of the plication initially um, or dehiscence of that? Um, and that's led to a technique of maybe Botoxing intraoperatively, which was described by the, the surgeons. Yes. Uh, the a, final, a final thing that wasn't mentioned in the paper that could be of value, if they had presented the actual numbers of patients who had um, uh, an anterior platysmoplasty at the time of primary facelift as opposed to the numbers uh, that, that didn't, didn't, and then looked at the revision rate for the two, then they could have constructed a chi-squared table actually come up with a p-value. Um, but that was basically for that paper. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support. <laughs>